The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who follow it. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will triumph in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQers, TV, WXYZ people. All the boat rockers are in the house and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown. I'm not coming to you live today. We're pre-recording due to the time restraints of our guests, but I am still coming from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina. Uh, the editor at SonsLibertyMedia.com, and for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here this morning. And uh, if you'd like to check us out online, please do so. Go to SonsOfLibertyRadio.com or SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio. Just head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. We'll be streaming in the area that, uh, well, I'm showing the video audience now. <laughs> Second video down. Uh, just click onto that. Click on the platform and join us in the chat. Love to have you there. A lot of friends are there in the morning, and uh, you'll find some like-minded people there as well. Right above that is where Bradley's show is from the previous day, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. He goes live here, but you can watch the previous show up until that time um, today. 
And also, we're live on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page there. We're on DLive.tv at The Sons of Liberty on uh, DLive.tv, obviously. And uh, we're on Twitch at Setting Brush Fires and Roku on Cutting Edge Television, uh, Cutting Edge TV, as well as Rumble, which is uh, Sons of Liberty Radio Live. So if you head over to Rumble and you do a search there, Sons of Liberty Radio Live, you'll find us there. Right above where the videos are is an area where you can subscribe to our email newsletter. Again, we don't rent your email, sell it, or spam it. You get one email from us a day, including the Morning Show Archive, any articles, videos, any of that stuff that we talk about today, that is in there. So it makes it real convenient for you, real easy for you to, uh, to get a hold of the information that you want to get out of this show. Also, if you agree with our message, we never ask you for money, but we let you know how you can help support us if you want to do that because we do have needs. So if you would like to help uh, support the message that we have, not only on the Internet, not only on the radio, but also out and about in the 50 states as we go and teach our Christian constitutional heritage, then there's a donate button at the top of sonslibertymedia.com. You can make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty. That link is also available. And then this week we are highlighting the deadlock drum pad. I don't know why the image didn't come up here, but uh, the the deadlock drum pad. This is a signature series drum pad uh, that Bradley has. It's normally $60, but this week only you're going to get 10% off if you want to use the promo code DEADLOCK in our checkout. Okay, Deadlock's the checkout. You get 10% off. That's through Saturday midnight. Uh, that'll be good, too. Um, so if you've been looking to get that for somebody in your household, somebody that likes to play drums, wants to play drums, this is a metronome, really, for drummers, of which Bradley is. Some people don't even know that, but that's what he is. <laughs> in any case... We got a special guest on the line, and I told her, I said, let me play this video because when I first contacted her, she said, well, this is this has kind of gone viral, and I have no doubt that it has, but I'm, I'm not God, so I don't see everything. But I was very impressed with what she had to say. Uh, Dr. Christina Parks issued a testimony for a bill against vaccine mandates, uh, Michigan House Bill 4471. And what I wanted to do was I, I kind of want to open up the show today by just playing this and letting you hear Dr. Parks, and then we're going to bring her on to kind of elaborate on that. This runs about eight to nine minutes or so, so be patient with it, and then we're going to bring Ms. Parks on in just a moment. Here she is. Dr. Christina Parks, and she has a Ph.D. She's second for testifying. You're here in person. Welcome, Dr. Parks, and if you want, as you get settled, just push that little red button at the bottom of the microphone when you're ready and take it away. Hello, my name is Dr. Christina Parks. I received my PhD in cellular and molecular biology right here in the state of Michigan from University of Michigan Medical School. And um, so I'm very well versed in the science of both these mRNA gene therapy vaccines, this kind of technology, as well as what a vaccine is designed to do in the body, what it can do, what it can't do. And the fact that this is extremely complex science that has been oversimplified in the media to basically take away our freedom of choice. What I want to address today in this limited time is the fact that vaccine requirements and mandates are based on the faulty assumption that the vaccines in question prevent transmission of the pathogen, right? Does the vaccine for DTaP prevent transmission? No. Does the vaccine for flu prevent transmission? No. Does 
do the vaccines for COVID prevent transmission? No. In fact, they were never designed to do that. All right, so you're asking, what about this 95% effectiveness? If you look at those clinical trials, they do not say that they prevent transmission. They expressly say that they're measuring whether they um, attenuate symptoms. So they're 95% effective based on their clinical trials at attenuating symptoms for the first variant, which is essentially gone in our population. Right now, the predominant variant is the Delta, and um, CDC Director Walensky basically said that these vaccines have no ability to prevent infection by and transmission of the Delta variant. Our policy needs not to be built on the hope of what we think something we want it to do, but what the data actually tell us. So do these viruses prevent, the, I mean, do the vaccines prevent the virus from infecting and uh, replicating in the nose and nasopharynx? No. They've only been shown to prevent that replication in the lungs. They're different. The mucosa is very different than the lungs. It's very different than the blood. You inject it to the blood. You make antibodies in your blood. The virus isn't infecting your blood. It's infecting your mucosa and you don't produce any IgA to neutralize it. In fact, recent studies have shown that the vaccinated, especially with the Delta variant and the unvaccinated, have similar amounts of virus in their nose and throat. In Barnstable, Massachusetts, the CDC tracked an outbreak of 469 cases of COVID. 74% occurred in fully vaccinated and four out of five of those hospitalized were vaccinated. All right, so maybe they are mandating this because they just didn't know with the COVID. And so my main complaint is with our health agencies and the CDC who basically know better and are misleading the public. So let's look at DTaP, which the scientists and the CDC have known since 2014 that the acellular pertussis vaccine does not prevent people from getting infected with the pertussis bacteria and passing it to others. In fact, it was never designed to do that. The vaccine was designed to neutralize the pertussis toxin. Pertussis, we know it as whooping cough. It can be fatal for children under six months. So neutralizing this toxin saves lives. All right. I'm not going to debate that. But what it doesn't do is neutralize the bacteria. So what happens is fully vaccinated children go to daycare, they pick up that bacteria, and they come home and they give it to their newborn brother or sister. They get deathly ill, and they go to the hospital. Hopefully, our medical professionals are able to save them. But who do they blame? Now the CDC is blaming anti-vaxxers for the limitations of this vaccine design. I suggest that they be transparent and tell parents that although it is preventing severe disease in their children, it is not preventing transmission because we have created a whole class of asymptomatic pertussis carriers who are increasing the disease. Now, the old DTP vaccine that many of you who are my age or older got did prevent transmission. When we switched to the safer acellular virgin, they knew that it was never designed to prevent transmission. It was safer. It had less adverse events, but pertussis um, cases have gone through the roof. There's a resurgence in pertussis because of the design of the vaccine, and the vaccinologists know this. They're trying to address it, and so we cannot mandate that something that does not prevent transmission. 
All right, what about the flu vaccine? Well, they have shown that basically it, there's no difference, there's no statistical difference if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, whether you get the flu or not. But it's even worse because although that first year it is somewhat effective, it's about 65% effective at preventing um, symptoms in you, after that, it actually has negative efficacy. And I want to address this because it's very important. Vaccines are made to a specific variant. And when that variant mutates, the vaccine no longer recognizes it. And so it's like you're seeing a completely new virus. And because that's so, you actually get more severe symptoms when you're vaccinated against one variant and then it mutates and then your body sees the other variant. So there's a potential and the science shows that, in fact, with the flu, if you get uh, vaccinated in multiple years, you are more likely to get severe disease. You are more likely to have more viral replication, and you are more likely to be hospitalized, both in adults and in children. We are seeing the same thing in COVID with the Delta variant. And so we are mandating that people get a vaccine that could actually make them more sick when they're um, exposed to the virus. In fact, this week, a paper came out, and what it showed is that with this Delta variant, when you're vaccinated, your body makes antibodies that are supposed to neutralize the virus, but they were supposed to neutralize the old variant, When they see this new variant, what they're doing is they're actually, the antibodies are taking the virus and helping it infect the cells. All right, that science was just published this week. We need to be looking at the science and we need our policy to reflect the science and we also need it to reflect our rights. And so, um, as a PhD who knows the science, I'm in the category of the most vaccine-hesitant group. Yes, PhDs are the most vaccine-hesitant, followed by people who have less than a high school degree because they know what they don't know and they don't trust their government. And many people, the other group that is very vaccine-hesitant are African-Americans. Seventy percent of African-Americans have not taken this vaccine. Why? because they don't trust their government. Do they have reason not to trust their government? Well, between the um, years of 1930 and 1970, the CDC conducted the Tuskegee experiment where they took um, untreated males with syphilis and they refused to treat them. Even after antibiotics became available, they still did not treat them and they did not tell them that they had syphilis. They told those people that they were there to secure their health and they did not secure their health, they abused them. You say, well, that was in the past, although I don't think 1970 was that long ago. Well, in 2012, whistleblower William Thompson came forward and said, we published a study that said MMR does not cause autism, but we lied. In fact, we shredded data that showed that when black boys are vaccinated on time, they have increased rates of autism diagnosis, and we shredded it and we left it out of the paper. As an African-American and a Ph.D., I want to ask each of you, are we going to exclude 70 percent of African-American people from the workforce and from education? All right, my ancestors did not work this hard. I come from a family that worked very hard, and I'm very aware that my privileges are dependent on the work of my grandmother and my great-grandmother, and I have great respect for these people that put me where I am, and yet you're telling me that my son will not be able to be educated if, based on the history of African-Americans in this country, that he doesn't want to be vaccinated? All right, so I will leave you with that question. Who are we going to exclude from the workforce? Are we going to continue with discrimination and segregation 
in the United States of America. Thank you. Amen. And that is Dr. Christina Parks. She received her Ph.D. in cellular molecular biology from the University of Michigan in 1999. She did her graduate research in the field of, I looked this word up just so I would say it correctly. Now I'm going to let her correct me if I'm wrong because I've done forgot the pronunciation. Uh, But uh, cytokine, cytokine signaling. Cytokines are the chemicals that the immune system uses to communicate. Thus, Dr. Parks brings a wealth of knowledge about the molecular mechanisms by which vaccines may be causing injury to vulnerable immune systems. She has garnered significant attention for a testimony that we just played just now to seek to ban discrimination based on vaccine status. And her testimony, she pointed out the things that you've you've heard here specifically in the black community. And uh, it's my privilege to welcome to the Sons of Liberty, Dr. Christina Parks. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, great to have you on the show. I'm glad that you made time for us. And I, I, I appreciate you uh, bearing with me as I played your testimony out there. You've probably heard it enough times and, and things uh, and people referencing it. But you come with a very, you're sort of in a, a sort of, I don't want to say elite, but you're definitely in a, a class all your own as a cellular and a molecular biologist. And what is it, one of the things that struck me in your testimony is you said, among the PhDs, we're the most vaccine hesitant. Now, normally the mockingbird media will take people like me who I don't have any degree. I don't, I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV and I didn't spend a night in a hotel, uh, the Holiday Inn Express. But I'm probably the guy who falls in there. I've got a high school diploma. I know what I don't know, but I've got a lot of experience in my life, um, in my 52 years. Me and my wife have 10 kids, so we've seen a lot of you know different sicknesses and things of that nature. So I've got a lot of experience. What is it that makes you hesitant about vaccines? Well, I think that it's because as a scientist, especially in the biological sciences, we understand and we're beginning to even get more of a glimpse of exactly how complex biological systems are. Your immune system is incredibly complex. When I was studying cytokine signaling, they were still cloning the cytokine receptors. We didn't even know which all of them and what they did. And um, the research we were doing is was showing how they signal and what genes they turn on and what genes they turn off. And we didn't know any of that. So if we didn't know any of that very basic Um, information, how could we know when you inject something, all of the different things that it's going to do? Yes, they do know that it will help to produce antibodies and those antibodies may then be able to neutralize a virus or a bacteria when it comes in later. But what else is it doing? And is it training the immune system is very finely tuned and very finely regulated. Um, It was created by God and he's a lot smarter than we are. So this is going to inject something and tinker with the immune system and it's not going to have unintended consequences is extremely naive and extremely arrogant. And so PhDs know this and they're hesitant because they know the science is really complex and we don't know all of the unintended consequences. And once you inject it, you can't take it out. Well, yeah, and it's amazing to me. We're, we're doing this with children. Um, you know, we had five children in the hospital, I think five at home, something like that. We, we, they were divided up. And in the hospital, you know, they're wanting to give them all these different kinds of shots for all kinds of things. Some of them are vitamins and all this other stuff. And they're just wanting to immediately put that in there as though God didn't design the body the way he did to care for itself and all these kinds of things. I appreciate you bringing that up because one of the things we point back to is, you know, Scripture tells us that the life of the flesh is in the blood. And Moses penned that 1,500 years at least before Christ 
And he was saying things then that I don't even know in that in that ancient world they were they were very intelligent then they're not neanderthals by any stretch of the imagination but he was clear enough to say the life of the flesh is in the blood and boy this is a this is a serious issue that that people are forming blood clots from these things they're having all kinds of headaches and uh, brain clots uh, the blood clots in the brain all of these kinds of things and yet we're told by people like the CDC, the FDA, and we know they're paid off. We know that they have patents. The, the CDC does on various uh, things that are going on uh, that use the, the vaccines as well as some of the quote-unquote viruses, diseases, and things of this nature. So they have a vested interest in pushing these things out. But you even call them out. Hey, let's be transparent about this. Do you believe that there's fraud going on both within the government and the CDC as well? Absolutely. I mean, there's absolutely no question based on the science um, and based on the cover-ups that they're doing. I mean, the MMR that I referenced with uh, Dr. William Thompson is just one of many, many examples. The longer you look, the deeper you look, um, the worse it gets. And I think it's one of these, like, once you start lying, you have to continue lying to cover things up. So I think the original lies, like, for instance, the vaccines, um, the live viral vaccines, which do have some benefits but they were grown on animal cell lines. And we got animal viruses such as SD40 from these animal cell lines that they were grown on. And when they realized that, they thought, oh, that's not good. So then they moved to using aborted fetal tissue to grow them on instead of animal cells, which you know brings up a whole host of other problems. But so then they covered up the stuff about you know animal viruses. Nobody knows that they got animal viruses from their vaccines. And, uh, and, and, and so it just ended up being this huge rolling snowball of, you know, serially covering it up and covering it up. But I think that we've gotten to a point now where it's not just covering up. I mean, I, I believe that our CDC is in some way complicit with some sort of global takeover, which I can't say I know for sure who's behind it, the Chinese, the elite, I, I don't know. Um, but I know based on the science and the cover-ups that are happening and the lack of transparency, um, you know, there's 13,000 reported deaths, you know, the most that you usually see in a typical year would be less than 200. And so when there's 13,000 deaths from a vaccine within five days, 86%, but within five days of the vaccine, you know, that something very, very wrong is going on. And so um, they're obviously complicit in whatever is going on with this political situation. Well, yeah, and I agree with that. We, we've reported on many of those things, and the fact is is that even that 13,000 and the tens of thousands who've been injured that they're giving us, uh, Harvard has said is that's only maybe half a percent, one percent at the most. Uh, so we could extrapolate that out a hundred times as to the possibilities of how this, this shot that they're rolling out. And by the way, you said the science is proving this. Do you have different science than, uh, than China Joe Biden? I don't think China, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think Joe Biden actually has any science. Um, he's speaking to a political uh, ideology, or I don't know if he's owned by China. I don't know why he's doing the things that he's doing, but it certainly isn't in the interest of the American public. And so, and Tony Fauci sort of hedges and uses, you know, it's kind of like when they came out and said vaccines don't cause autism. You know, this was in the late 90s, and I remember them, or the mid 90s, and they said, we haven't seen any evidence um, of, you know, and they coach their words in a way that's vague and the average person doesn't realize that they're kind of being, have the, the wool pull over their eyes. But as a scientist, I listen very carefully to what someone says 
And, um, you know, I went, oh, they haven't looked. They've decided not to look so they can say that they don't see it, have any evidence, you know? <laughs> yeah. Any evidence that they, they might cause autism, you know, or they, uh, you know, they haven't, they haven't disproven that it causes autism either. They just choose not to look so that they can't find it. And so the words that Fauci uses is beating around the bush to uh, mislead people. And then they trot out all of these celebrities that pretend that the vaccines prevent transmission because they know if they said it directly, they might be sued or something. Uh, and so they have somebody else who can't be expected to know they prevent transmission. They're like, oh, we didn't, you know, they just said that. Who knows why they said that? So uh, there, there's so much um, misinformation coming out of the government and none of it's based on science. I mean, you know, I actually review the scientific papers, the peer reviewed literature. I mean, many of them are preprints, but you can, I actually look at the study and how it was done and how it, what it showed, because actually this corruption is going down to the level of the journals and the papers. You'll find um, many papers that are, that are about vaccines. If you read the abstract, that's supposed to be a summary of what the paper shows. A lot of times in the abstract, they kind of misrepresent the data to be positive toward vaccines. And then when you actually read the paper, you're like, that's not really what it shows at all. And I think that's to sort of slip it under the wire to actually get it published because they're afraid that if it con if it conflicts with the narrative, they won't be able to get their science published. And so many people say, well, this paper doesn't show that. It says in the first line, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, did you read it? Did you actually look at the science that was done? You know, um, and so I think this is uh, this is becoming such a problem that at some point we're not going to have medicine or science. We're just going to have this totalitarian state that tells us what we need to do and calls themselves medicine and science. Yeah, well, this gets back to some things. You know, we've had several doctors on. We, we haven't had a molecular biologist on for sure, uh, but we've, we've had several doctors on. We've had Dr. Carrie Madej. You've probably heard of her. Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, Dr. Andrew Kaufman. Uh, Kate Shimarani, who was a nurse 36 years in the UK, she comes on every Saturday with us. Um, we've had several other people on the show. Uh, Dr. Adil, who is, he is, I think he's in England as well. And uh, we've had several of the people, and they've really point come back to this, this issue of there's nothing in vaccines that is conducive to health. That was the thing. And it seems like everything in the vaccine is the way they test it. And you made mention of the efficacy and things of this nature. The way they test it is to see if you get an immune response. Well, let me ask you, Dr. Parks, if I stick myself with a needle or a piece of wood, stick it into my arm or a piece of metal or something like that, is my body going to get an immune response? And is that not... Help me understand. I'm the guy who's the high school that I know that I don't know stuff. <laughs> so if I get that, if I do that, am I not going to get an immune response? And what's the difference in that and whatever they're doing, shooting me with mold or fungus or uh, hydrogels or whatever the case may be? What's the difference there? Well, I mean, I want to say that, you know, when I was going through school, there wasn't quite such the narrative like there is now. Now there's the, all vaccines are safe and effective. Don't dare say they're not. Um, back then, it wasn't quite like that. And it was kind of commonly understood that, um, you know, vaccines were for diseases that were so severe that it was possibly worth monkeying with your immune system a little bit in order to have the positive benefit of being protected against this very severe disease. And so I started becoming concerned when they started vaccinating for things like chicken pox, because that's not worth monkeying with your immune system for. 
So, and so what do we mean by monkeying with your immune system, which is kind of what you're getting at. And so many times when they're evaluating the efficacy of a vaccine, they're not going to expose you to the virus to see if you don't get it. What they do is they just measure antibodies. It's supposed to make these antibodies. Does it make the antibodies? And they don't even necessarily test whether the antibodies neutralize the virus or whether they do something weird like help the virus into the cells, which some people think may be happening with COVID because um, the past SARS-CoV virus, the first one, um, that happened with the vaccines that they made. Um, the animals, they gave them the vaccine. When they exposed them to the virus, um, the antibodies helped the virus into the cells. It's called antibody-dependent enhancement. And they got really sick and died. And so we, you know, many scientists have been saying, hey, hey, wait, 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 let's make sure that the antibodies that are made are safe, that they're not actually going to help the virus into the cells. And we were told, ah, no, 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 don't worry, don't worry, it won't, you know, be fine. And um, it looks like with the Delta variant, there's some modeling data that that might be happening and data that show that people who have the Delta variant are 200, have 251 times the viral load as those vaccinated people who got the Alpha variant suggests that this Delta variant, the antibodies might be helping it into the cells. And so um, when you're talking about an immune response, you know, this is kind of interesting to me because I was looking at the meningitis vaccine and it turns out that most people don't get meningitis um, because our immune systems work properly and that it has such a low incidence because only people with certain susceptibility mutations that make them susceptible get it. And so I thought it was interesting. I was looking at um, the antibody response. So they measured the antibody response after the vaccination and the antibodies dropped off like really rapidly. And I thought, who wants to get this vaccine that two months or six months later, it's not working anymore. Like what if they, if people knew that they wouldn't get the vaccine, but then they showed four or five years later, and this is for the, even the um, children's meningitis vaccine that they actually had robust antibodies. I'm like, but I just watched those drop off after a couple of months. How can they be robust now? They didn't like come back to life or whatever, you know? And I thought, oh, what's happening is people are being exposed naturally to meningitis, developing antibodies, natural immunity, robust antibodies, and they're counting that as vaccine-induced antibody response when it's not. And they're saying, well, yeah, at six months, basically you have no neutralizing antibodies left, but at five years, you have great immunity. I'm like, yeah, because in the meantime, you were actually exposed to the bacteria or whatever it was, and you generated your own immunity. So yeah, um, vaccine-induced immunity isn't anywhere near um, regular immunity. And like when you are exposed to a virus, it trains your bodies in many, many different ways that vaccines don't. It trains your body trains your bodies to look for virus or bacteria at your mucosal surfaces and destroy them. Um, vaccines don't do that. They're like looking for the virus in the blood. And in the meantime, you're getting infected in your nose and throat and you've got a raging infection by the time that it gets into your blood. And so that's like why with the flu and with COVID, it's not preventing transmission because it's looking for the virus in your blood and tissues and not in your nose and throat. Okay, now that leads me to another question because we've had Dr. Andrew Kaufman on. He and Dr. Thomas Cowan have put out a statement to say, look, this has never been this, this, the, the COVID, I call it the Convids 1984. That's what I call it. Anyway, they said it's never been isolated and they go through the process of what isolation should be and all of these kinds of things. And they said they haven't proven it exists, which then leads to the question of, okay, what are people dealing with? And we saw the numbers for the flu go down. I think I had a pharmacist of like 30 years or 40 years that I did an article on say, you know, by this time, and this was last year, we sold a bunch of uh, 
Tamiflu, I think was the name of the product that, that they sold. He said, we haven't sold any. And he talked to the distributor who deals with about 70%, I think, if I'm recalling the numbers correctly, of he's the guy who sells Tamiflu. He said, we haven't sold any because nobody's been getting rid of it. And then we have the heart attacks going down. We have the cancers going down. We have all these things going down. Uh, I think this was last year. And so then the question becomes, okay, what are these people actually experiencing we had Dr. Andreas Kalker from Switzerland come over. He's been doing a test on chlorine dioxide. Everybody's over on ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, which are drugs. Uh, he's been using chlorine dioxide, and they've just produ- they produced a scientific study on that about a month or so ago. We had him on the show. And he w- I asked him, I said, who were you unable to help? And he said, only the fearful and the ignorant. Because everybody we applied chlorine dioxide to, and he said, he his thought is... what's referred to as COVID is something of a blood disorder. And he says, we're able to clear that up very quickly with chlorine dioxide. And some of the South American countries are able to do it too. My question to you is this. Do you know of any reports where they actually isolated, really isolated what they call COVID-19? Not according to traditional methods. Now, I haven't done a deep dive into this topic. I've just followed mostly what other people said about it. I've perused a couple of papers. And here's what the key issue is. Like, um, as if someone has it, so then they isolated the the virus from their, their throat, and you have to grow it up, and you have to grow it up in large enough amounts to sequence it. And, and then when you sequence it, you'll see what it is. And there'll be a few variants, but more, more or less, most of it should be about the same thing. And then you'll know what the virus is. But according to Judy Mikovits, they haven't grown it up in normal lung tissue. And so if it can't grow in normal lung tissue, like, you know, in culture, then what is it? Like, I mean, it sh- they should be able to grow it. And so um, she says that when they have said that they isolated it, they grew it in vero cells, which are monkey kidney cells with no antiviral defenses. And her comment is that, that those have so many viruses and then they don't, um, they don't grow up a whole bunch of it. Instead, they, they PCR sequence it. And what that means is they, they put in a primer. So imagine a book and you have a primer to the, went to the, that, sent, that part of that little phrase, went to the. And then the other primer is, and I'm coming or something. Well, you can imagine in a book, you might find those two phrases in many different areas. And what it does is it sequences everything in between those two phrases. But those two phrases could be the virus you're looking for, or they could be all kinds of other sentences or phrases or, you know, paragraphs or whatever. And so when you're, you're, when you're PCR sequencing, you get that, and then they would get that, and then they would put two new primers in based on the other sequence, and it's called this gene walking. And so what they get is sort of a Frankenstein of whatever might be in those cells. And they say, well, we think it's the virus because we sort of walked along it with these primers and added the sequence. Like if you started with, again, the words in the book, and then you added some more words to get what was next in the paragraph. But if you did that, you might get what's next in the paragraph, but you might accidentally skip to another part of the book or another book altogether. And so that's what can happen when you're using those Vero cells to PCR sequence the virus instead of actually just growing it up in some sort of human um, epithelial cell. So it's really complex science. I don't think a court is going to say they haven't isolated because I think that that technique is considered isolating it by many scientists. They think that 
it's a very, um, you're splitting hairs is what they're going to say. And I can see why they would say that. But on the other hand, I do agree that the lack of transparency with this is extremely um, frustrating. And like, where are the scientific conferences? If you had a scientific conference, the scientists would hash that issue out. And probably somebody would do that experiment or they would come forward and say, hey, I can't do this because of this. What's going on here? We're not getting that because anybody who speaks out against the narrative is destroyed. So we're, there's a lack of transparency and a really an inability to know what's really going on. What is this virus? You know, is it a virus? Is it real? Like what is making people ill? Um, because you can have a virus and you can have other things that make people ill, bacteria, toxins. And so there's been a lot of speculation and the lack of transparency has really fueled that speculation because people can't get their hands around this. And there's clearly a reason they don't want you to. Well, and then that leads to the that leads to the obvious question. You're saying they didn't tr- use traditional means, and you mentioned a, a judge coming in here. Uh, this is something we've said all along. You know, our Constitution doesn't allow for government to be involved in science or health. It, they, that's not their job. Their job is to punish evildoers, Romans 13, 1 to 7. Uh, it's, when we see the executive branch, uh, the president, his main job, apart from, you know, welcoming dignitaries and appointing judges and things of this nature, is to make sure the law is enforced. That's his job. No president seems to want to do that. That's why we have so much corruption going on in D.C. We find it in the state among the governors as well, uh, that their job is very similar to the, to the president in, in doing that. So it, it leads to, back to this, this question of isolation. If they are fudging on all this other stuff and they're not being transparent and they're outright lying in some cases, we know they're outright lying, then wouldn't it be feasible to question whether or not they're lying about what they're telling everybody that they have because they've not gone through stuff like Cox postulates and things of this nature to actually really isolate this thing to say, yes, this is what this is. And I think, in in my opinion, I'm just, you know, some guy out here, redneck in South Carolina, uh, but when Dr. Kaufman and Dr. Cowan put it out the way it did, and it's very similar to what you just said, it sounds like to me... The whole thing, we're, if we're hacking at branches of, you know, whatever's out there as far as vaccines and, and, and all of this kind of stuff, that is hacking at the branches. The route that we got to take the axe to is, can they prove there's an actual COVID-19? And then what develops from that? Because obviously behind it is to sell a product. Uh, you know, Don, President Donald Trump took billions of our dollars unconstitutionally, gave them to Big Pharma and said, hey, guys, go at it, make a vaccine. He wants to take credit for that, but not all the deaths, not all the injuries that come from it. And so this is a, this is a real problem that we're facing because somebody's not even proved what they've, they've brought. And I'll pitch this out to you. What about stuff like 5G? This came up last year. And the effects of, of electromagnetic uh, radiation on the human body could that be a cause of any of this kind of stuff? And I don't want to throw too many questions at you. Let me throw that at you, and then I want to ask you about eating, if you can remind me if I forget. <laughs> so I want to get back to, you know, there's a lot of people that have been going you know, on about that they haven't isolated the virus. So since they haven't, this is over. I, I, again, I don't think that that's a constructive line of attack because I don't think anyone in the scientific community is going to get behind you because technology has changed and they're just going to say, well, it was done differently and that's consistent with what many people do. So that doesn't mean that it isn't problematic. 
But to me, the core problem, because the core problem isn't just about whether the virus was isolated, it's about whether hydroxychloroquine is, a, is an effective um, treatment or ivermectin or you know, chlorine dioxide, whatever it might be. Um, and it's the, um, the fact that once a narrative has been established, no one, including scientists, are allowed to question it. So in a, in a typical real scientific debate, we would be having conferences every week, every month, and the scientists would be hashing this out and then they would be questioning each other. Was that the best method? Did you do this? What about this? And when those questions came up, other labs would be like, oh, they didn't do this. Well, I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna get credit for it. And so there would be sort of a race to figure things out and we would know. But as it is, you cannot question it. You can't put data out. Like the, the whole little narrative that it came from a bat, even though scientists said, uh, no, this didn't come from a bat, you know, with Fauci's emails. And then the next day they all conceded because of whatever political pressure. So I think that the political pressure on our scientific community is way, way more of a central issue than whether the virus was isolated, um, the, the fraud. You know, this needs to be over because of the fraud. <laughs> well, I agree, I agree. Perpetuated. And those, those, the scientific minutia, uh, there could be a lot going on here and, and it can be complex for many different reasons. And so whether that's a central issue or not, I don't, I don't know. And I don't know that it is. I mean, I don't know that there is something different. I mean, obviously, clearly there's an infectious agent, whether they're spraying it in the skies or we're passing it one to each other. It's, it's a little bit unclear. Um, it seems like people can pass it. And so it seems to be an infectious pathogen. Um, and so there are things that are consistent with their narrative, consistent with what it, we're told the vaccine is. But then there's things like, you know, Robert Young saying that there's graphene oxide in this. And, you know, there's data showing that graphene oxide use in humans has been explored and that it's been explored as a potential digital platform because of uh, the way the graphene interacts and the way the oxygen is. It, it can hold information. It can be magnetized. And so it's not completely implausible that they would put that in there since they keep talking about, well, not only we want a vaccine, we want to have one that we know is in there, you know, and we'll want to be able to track all your information. So this is not an implausible thing for them to do, but not giving you informed consent about it is, is blatantly illegal. And so there was a Pfizer, someone um, who had some links to Pfizer, a whistleblower, and she came forward with some pretty credible information, uh, tracing back that maybe the polyethylene glycol was linked to uh, graphene oxide. I was just looking at the information that went to the FDA and many of their ingredients and some of those that are conjugated to the polyethylene glycol have been, um, have been redacted. And so we can't see what's in there. And that's extremely, again, this lack of transparency to me is the core issue. What's in there and why can't we see it? And she said she traced back all of the legal paperwork and the, the, whatever was made, the graphene oxide polyethylene glycol conjugate came from China. You know, so I can't say if all of this is true because again, there's no transparency. And when you try to look it up through regular channels, you hit a brick wall. And, but I can tell you if we were having conferences, there'd be a lot of people bringing those things up. And so they have shut down any input by the scientific community. All they can do is do work in their lab and publish the paper and hope to couch it in terms that actually it won't be retracted because if they make statements that are too controversial according to the narrative they'll get retracted not based on the science but based on the politics so we're in a very 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 dangerous place right now and it's uh, i mean it's hard to see us coming back from this honestly it's, it's pretty depressing
Yeah, well, we look back in history, and there were some similarities very clearly to me uh, in dealing with Nazi Germany and what they were doing to their people as well. And a lot of that was based on a medical tyranny. I mean, obviously, it was based on something much deeper than that that had spiritual consequences. But, you know, you, you make mention, and I believe the lady's name you're talking about is Karen Kingston uh, from Pfizer. She used to be with Pfizer. It was saying some of that stuff. But if not, then that's my fault. But I, I think that was her because I was listening to that, too. And what she was saying was, from the time of the approval, the alleged approval of the, uh, the, the, the vaccine shot that they're giving uh, to BioNTech, uh, one of the things was that she said they have two weeks to come forward with all of the ingredients. They've been hiding it because it's, quote-unquote, proprietary. But now they have to tell you everything that's in it. You're telling me that, that, they, that it's, been, it's been more than two weeks and that particular shot that they've got, as far as I know, is not on the U.S. market. We've had attorneys say that. We've had doctors say that. And other scientists say that. And so my question is, well, then, how do they, how do they get around the normal setup? And this is why I don't like the FDA being in the federal government. They're not authorized to be there. Again, we didn't authorize the feds to be in a lot of stuff they're in. But this is one of them. And they're right for corruption. They are corrupt, as far as I'm concerned. How do how did how does a company get this without telling the people every single thing that's in the product? I, I mean, that just blows my mind that they're allowed to get away with that. To me, it's it's criminal in nature. Well, but they've clearly been allowed to get away with a lot of criminal activity, and so it has just blossomed. And I know, um, and and I think that is what is very shocking. It's like a gut punch is the complete lack of accountability. There's supposed to be these safety boards over this vaccine, um, you know, approval, and there are none. Like, how did our government just cease to do its job? And they keep telling us we're doing your, our job. We've checked this for safety. We've done every, we've dotted every I, we've crossed every T, and they haven't even opened the book yet, you know, and they're allowing these, you know, global companies like Pfizer to just do whatever they want and who, with whoever they want. I guess that's what's so scary is. I know many people that are capitulating and taking the vaccine and even people who are questioning still have this underlying assumption that there's a certain level of safety, a certain level of, um, of checks and balances that happened in, in these approvals with our government. And that's just not true. And so they're taking it. And I want to say, OK, like we've read novels about the potential for bio warfare for, for decades and decades. But yet no one believes that these vaccines could be bioweapons developed by the Chinese and pushed through Pfizer to kill us all. I'm not saying they are or they aren't. But when you're starting to mandate something, um, I'm going to wait. You know, I'm going to wait and make sure that, th that this is actually gone through some safety protocols and that this isn't a bioweapon that might kill us all when they turn on 5G. So to get back to your question about the graphene oxide, because it's mag you can magnetize it, um, with different frequencies and whatnot. Um, and that might be why some people have actually put magnets and that's been confirmed on different parts of their body in the injection site. And, uh, and so it's possible if there is graphene oxide that that's what's being magnetized in them. But it's also possible that, yeah, they could turn on a certain frequency and um, it, will change the, it will change the electrical charge on the graphene oxide, which will screw up, you know, your whole body works on electricity. So it's gonna screw up your entire electrical circuits and there's a fair degree of evidence that that's what's going on with all these blood disorders. Um, and I mean, at some level, that's how we work is through electrical charge. So it's screwing all that up. 
and yeah, I mean, you could kill people. You can kill people with a Wi-Fi radiation now because it it screws up your your um your your calcium and your sodium channels, all the ways that your body electrically signals the voltage gated calcium channels in your heart can be screwed up. And we haven't really paid attention to that. Most people somehow manage to, to live, even though we're exposed to all of this. But you add some graphene oxide, you add immune compromise, you know, compromising your immune system, you start destroying your body. And at some point, it's not going to be able to bear up against that. And if this is a biological weapon and the Chinese have studied it, then they know exactly what it's going to do when they turn on the 5G because they probably experiment on their own people. Yep. Now, I'm not saying they have or haven't or this is or isn't being done, but I'm saying the fact that no one's even bringing up the possibility and science, you know, there's no transparency is extremely, extremely concerning. Yeah, I think it is too. Now we brought it up several times. We brought Mark Steele on from the UK, who is a uh, inventor. He created the blast shields for the pilots over there because there was so much radiation coming in from their their uh, heads up display in the blast shields that they had to dial that back. They had to put in some safety features so it didn't burn the eye socket, you know, eyes out of the pilots. And he he came on and he was very clear. He says, "Look." The 5G has been shown. We've used it on the battlefield. The frequencies that are in that, not some of the, maybe the lower ones, but definitely up around 60 gigahertz and such. We've used it on the battlefield for crowd control. It's obviously, you can anybody can find it, uh, that the Chinese military uses that particular gigahertz as well. And so I, I know those things are there, and I, I understand that's sort of a guesswork. But when you say there's a lack of transparency, let me throw this at you. We have, um, and... I got spammers calling me. <laughs> we have uh, we have the CDC not only not being transparent, but they're actually going along to cover their backsides of what they're doing. This was put out by Thomas Massey, um, and here's what he's got: the vaccination. Uh, it mean it meant uh, it was defined pre. 2015 is an injection of a killed or weakened infectious organism in order to prevent the disease. From 2015 to 2021, it was defined by the CDC as the act of introducing a vaccine into the body to produce immunity to a specific disease. And now this month, they've changed the definition of vaccination to the act of introducing a vaccine into the body to produce protection from a specific disease. Now, when we go back to something like Tabor's medical dictionary definition for the vaccine, for the vaccine, which I'm sure you're familiar with, and I've got this here so people can read it. It's, a, it's quite a long one. Do you get the sense that it's not just they're not being transparent, they're engaged in the cover-up? I mean, would you say that I'm, – I'm just asking your opinion on that. Well, clearly they're trying to cover their own errors. And I, I guess what they're doing is they're trying to change things to avoid accountability. Because if you go back to that definition, you can hold them accountable and say, hey, this isn't a vaccine. You can't call it a vaccine. You can't market it as a vaccine. If you want to market it as a gene therapy, therapeutic treatment or whatever. But then if they do that, then it would have to actually undergo testing for that type of product. So because of the indemnity, because there's no liability for vaccines and because of, um, you know, their ability to, to use that under an EUA authorization, they want it to be considered a vaccine, not a, a treatment. And so they are changing uh, all of that because they could be held liable for damages because it hasn't been, um, hasn't been, uh, you know, uh, assessed for its ability to cause cancer, for its, um, its effects on fertility or anything else. And so since it hasn't been assessed in that way, they could possibly be open to lawsuits. And so they're trying to 
cover their backsides by changing the definition and avoiding accountability instead of, again, being transparent. And so, you know, we're in 1984 where like what is real and true changes every day and they just have like people in there changing the wording so that like what was true yesterday is something totally different today and we're all just supposed to go, oh, okay, well, that's fine. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, now this leads us back to what our foundations are. And we talk about using the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who's on the straight and narrow. And our Creator has laid out, you know, pretty much things that we should eat, things that, you know, how we're to take care of our bodies and things of that nature. And would you say, we got we got about to two and a half minutes. Can I ask you, if, in closing out the show, if we could have you for a couple more minutes, because there's something else I want to ask you on the other side of this question. But would you not say that the biggest problem that humans have and the reason that we're probably getting sick the way we are is because we're not taking care of our bodies. We're eating junk food. We're eating stuff that isn't food. We aren't uh, doing what the Creator said. And, and I mean, many people don't even know how to grow their own food or any of these kinds of things. Would you say that's a, a big contributor to the various sicknesses that we're facing in this country? Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of um, information that shows that people that were on their native diets are much healthier, that they're getting 10 to 20 times the amount of fat soluble vitamins, you know, Weston A. Price pioneered that um, information. So I would say that's absolutely true. But I think at its root cause, it again, is a spiritual issue, we've said that we will be like the most high. In our arrogance, we thought that we could design food. Amen. And so we've designed in in the more developed country you're in, the worse it is. And so our, you know, our foods are like half of it is chemicals and um, it's hydrogenated fats and it's been stripped of its nutrients. You know, we're doing margarine instead of butter. And so um, in our arrogance, we have decided to create reality in our own image. And it's a very flawed image. Amen. No, I appreciate you saying that because behind it is the father of lies, right? Uh, and these people are doing what their father does, John eight forty four. I mean, he's he's a liar. He's a liar from the beginning. He was a murderer from the beginning. And uh, so I appreciate you bringing that into the conversation. Can we hold you over just a couple of minutes? Would that be okay? Yep, that'd be fine. Okay, because I want to get to this thing that you brought up at the end because I find it fascinating due to a previous interview we had with a gentleman, but I don't want to like do that because I got like 40 seconds. So I got 40 seconds. I got to fill in here uh, until we close out. And then I want to ask you this question. So everybody listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, if you head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com, right side of the page, or on beforeitsnews.com, dlive.tv at the Sons of Liberty, or Twitch at Setting Brush Fires, you can hear the remainder of the the uh, interview here. And Dr. Parks, I promise I won't keep you long, but I do have one question I want to ask. And this is pertaining to what you said concerning the black community uh, with regards to these, these shots that they're giving out and uh, the segregation and things of that nature. But guys, don't miss Bradley. He'll be on 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. You can catch him on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. We'll be back in the morning, 6 a.m., Lord willing. So don't miss us then. Until then, see ya. Okay, want to welcome everyone coming over from uh, Red State Talk Radio, and we appreciate you guys hanging on. And Dr. Parks, thank you for your time and for the extra time. Here's the question I have. We had uh, Mark Crutcher on. He put out the, uh, I don't know if you've seen the the documentary, Mafia 21. 
I don't know if you've seen that. Okay, this was him exposing the targeting of Planned Parenthood against the black community. It's oh, okay. a very well done, very well done um, uh, documentary and demonstrates exactly what was going on there. And you made mention of this at the end of your testimony. We played at the first of the, the, the show here. Uh, you were saying something about 70% of the black community, the population there, are refusing these COVID shots. Can you elaborate a little more on that? And can you tell me, is it is it affecting, from what you've seen, is it affecting the black community more than a white community or a Latino or an Asian community or anything like that? Yes. Well, studies have shown that like Asians are most likely to take the vaccine, I think, followed by whites and um, and Hispanics. And then like African blacks are dead last. <laughs> and uh, I think that, you know, I live in a farming community and there's a lot of old timers. And back in the day, people didn't go to the doctor. And it used to be that people were afraid of doctors that they were going to screw something up. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And so you're like, well, your leg's dangling. You might want to go. But um, until it was really critical, people didn't go to the doctor because they didn't trust them. In the black community, um, many of the segregated hospitals had very uh, low quality of care, very low care. And, you know, black people are, are not any, um, you know, they're not insulated against the effects of sin. So there's selfish people, there's people that are just looking to make a buck, there's people who are, don't care. And so, you know, it's not like just because you have a black doctor, you're going to get great care. Um, especially if that hospital is overburdened and um, and under-resourced. And so I think that there is a skepticalness that has persisted. And when you hear about things like the Tuskegee experiment, it's like, well, you know, we'll take care of ourselves because I don't have the time and energy to trust you. And many people have gone to the my mother, I'm biracial. And when she had my my brother, the doctor was uh, did things to her that was punitive and just plain evil because he didn't think that she should have married a black man. So when you have a history of having things done to you like that, you're, you're going to not trust. You're not going to go in there and say, yeah, I'm going to put myself completely in your hands. It might be more stressful to go to the doctor than to, to die at home because you don't trust them. So I think that that trust still isn't there, even among many black people who are liberal, that trust isn't there. And they have sort of a common sense, um, I'll wait and see approach about it. And the thing is, um, because there are a lot of epigenetic susceptibilities for black people, both with COVID and with the vaccine and with vaccine injury, that's why we see that MMR result with black boys, um, they are more susceptible to injury and they are they react to medical treatments differently. And so we've got to get away from this one size fits all. But I want to get to a larger issue of um, exploitation. You know, we were told under slavery that, that, you know, we grew up learning that slavery happened because people were racist. No, slavery happened because they're an elite class of people that will use and exploit whoever they can. That's right. And they found that this particular group was vulnerable to exploitation. And then they set the rules. And just like the rules of wearing a mask and standing six feet apart, there were rules of going to the back of the bus and you have to have a separate drinking fountain than somebody else. And everybody had to abide by those rules or you would be punished. And so this idea that all of the common people were enforcing these rules because they were racist is it's just BS. The reason that um, they were enforced 
you know, that people follow them is because the same reason they're wearing the mask. People were too afraid to go against those in control who set up a system of exploitation and didn't want anyone to change it, whether they were white, black, green, or yellow. Yeah, well, you're exactly right on that. In fact, I was thinking about this uh, as I as I was watching your your interview earlier, not not before we played the show, and I was thinking even in in my area down here in South Carolina, you know, it was it had a large slave population that were that were blacks. They were brought over from Africa, uh, and the, one of the things I point out to people is, you know, there was never any Southern. Uh, slave ships. They were all from the north, and 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 these kind of things. But you're right. Everybody fit into those kinds of things, depending on how that was that structure was laid out. But one of the things that I notice about you know black brothers and sisters that live right up the road from me, and I interact with them, and when I go out to the store, uh, we've had people pull into the driveway. I remember one uh, lady with her daughter. They were going to run out of gas, so we went and got her some gas and stuff like that. And we were talking, and one of the things that I've seen, at least here is there's no difference really in our communities because they grow up in the same culture. And I can't say that about maybe if you grew up in Philadelphia, that might be a little different. I don't know. A friend of mine at least says it is. But down here, it's not like that. Uh, I grew up, you know, going to school with, uh, with, with black children, and we were mixed together, and it wasn't like we had a different culture. We didn't see anything different. You know, the Bible says that God made us all from one blood. Now, he set the boundaries, obviously, for the peoples, but he made us all from one blood. We came from the same parents. And so at the same time that that happens, he also uh, diversified us there at the Tower of Babel. And my guess is that's where the genes started you know, pulling in certain areas, and that's why you have certain characteristics of different people, whether it's a light skin, a dark skin, slanted eyes, you know, different color, hair, and, and things of those natures. So, and I think that's why you're saying the thing about not a one-size-fits-all. You've got to deal with the individual because they've got different blood types. They've got all kinds of different things that are going on in their body. Some of them maybe even from vaccines. We've You mentioned the gentleman uh, earlier and I think we've we've dealt uh, some stories on that about the the shredding of information concerning autism. Uh, we've had other ones come forward, and uh, we've had what was this guy? Um, they called him the Godfather of the vaccine. Um, Plunkett, Stanley Plunkett, that guy, Stanley Plotkin. Stanley, yeah. And you know him saying, "Well, yeah, we used aborted fetal cells in there." Who comes up with this idea? I mean, and what is the reasoning for using stuff like that in vaccines? Uh, in other healthcare products, in even like in makeup, they, they I remember reading they used abortifetal cells in in some makeups. What about food flavorings and stuff? Who comes up with this? I mean, to me, this has got to be the most demonic kind of twisted thinking to do that to a people that I can come up with. Why are what is what is your observation on that? Do you have any insight to that? Any kind of history as to how these things got put into vaccines and how they're trying to use them against the people? Well, I don't know that in that uh, context they're trying to use them against people. I think that was just simple expedience. I think most of the mistakes, and I'm not going to apply that to this current scenario where I think there is something behind it. Most of the mistakes were made were uh, for simple expedience, you have to grow a virus in cells. So they had to find cells to grow it in. So they chose animal cells and they got animal viruses from them. So they chose human cells, but then that causes autoimmune d- disease. But when you start playing God, this is one of the reasons I got out of science. There are many wonderful, nice scientific 
people, but you know, you start having your conscience seared a little bit because you end up having to do things for expediency that are just, you know, the average person would think that's weird, but you get used to it. And, and so like, even like this luciferase, everyone's like, oh, that's demonic. I'm like, well, you know, I was in graduate school, like more than 20 years ago. And we used luciferase as a reporter then. And I never, never occurred to me that it was demonic. It just, you know, they named it for the light that it produced or whatever. But, you know, I can see where people would think that now. Um, but that's been around for years. So it's not like they just put that in and named it that, you know, <laughs> so. Um, sure, so sure. I think it's simple expedience. And, and, and I think that that's why we have to, as a society, set down those ethical boundaries. And I'm very disappointed to see so many churches that are willing to say, yes, go ahead and get that vaccine. If it, if, if they say it helps, I'm like, you've had just, you have just worshiped your sacred cow of man being the measure of all things when you've done that, instead of saying that, you know, God designed this and there are certain boundaries beyond which we, we ought not and should not and will not go. And so, um, and there needs to be a robust discussion about that. We may not all always agree on it, but we've shut down the discussion and said that the public health, whatever that even means, uh, it, you know, rules all. And again, it is a man-centric model that science, man, is the measure of all things. And he has the ultimate knowledge and we can trust him. That's not a paradigm that I agree with or want to follow. And we've seen where it's resulted because Satan is in that. And so he has inserted every lie in the book into that narrative. And so we're trusting a pack of lies, essentially. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's just a very destructive way. I think I probably lost your original train of thought there. <laughs> no, no, no. I, you preach, sister, because I, I think you're saying exactly what we've been saying here, the Sons of Liberty. Uh, we've had to take on, you know, some of these guys, uh, Franklin Graham, uh, Robert Jeffress, um, uh, Al Mohler, you know, which I've benefited a lot from a lot of Al Mohler's writings. But as soon as he put that out, no biblical basis for it all, says it's loving your neighbor and all this stuff. And I'm like, you have got to be outside of your mind. Because this is not biblical at all. In fact, it, the Bible actually goes against a lot of this stuff. We read about the lady with the issue of blood. The Bible says she spent all of her money on doctors, and yet it was the Christ who could heal her. And, and it was because she had faith in him. He, you know, the Bible says Jehovah uh, Rapha, he is our healer. So I'm, I'm totally with you. I, I'm not against science, per se, if it's real science. Paul told Timothy to beware of that science that's falsely so-called. Um, that opposes itself against, you know, the knowledge of God. And I think that's what exactly what you're talking about there. This is this thing to where man thinks we don't need God for this. We can handle it ourselves. And there's a way that seems right to man, but what? The end thereof leads to death. Dr. Parks, thank you for staying with us extra. I wonder if you have a final word that you might want to give to the audience concerning what's going on here and your fight against, uh, against this and to, to bring about transparency. Well, I would say no one's going to save you. Um, there's so many people that uh, are like, help me, help me, help me. Um, I'm just one person. I have a family to take care of. I have a lot of responsibilities of my own. I've chose to stand up. Um, and it's, you know, it's a sacrifice and it takes a lot of my time and energy and money. Um, but you can stand up too. God has given each of us something to do. If you say yes, he will give you something to do. But don't think it's going to be easy. I get people like asking me questions like, you know, can you give me this link? Like you can't spend 15 minutes to research it yourself because that's all I have to do is to be your like, you know, uh, 
secretary and find you this information and find you that information, it's on my Telegram page, right? Like if it takes you an hour to find it, I'm sorry, but I don't have time to follow up with a hundred people. And so, you know, I guess the bottom line is, you know, I know there are different theories, but no one is going to save you. You have to start putting in the time to save yourself. I've been very disappointed in the amount of people and maybe this audience is, is I'm preaching to the choir, but um, that you have to put in the time, you have to do the hard work. I remember when I was in uh, school, someone told me, oh, well, it's easy for you. I mean, if it were easy for me, I would do what you're doing too. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> and uh, no, it's not easy for anybody who's choosing to stand up and sacrifice time and talent and money. Um, God may have blessed me with certain talents, but um, you know, I also said yes. And if you say yes, whether it's, you know, helping to set up a, a, you know, some sort of talk or whether it's looking for the information and putting it together. For instance, um, this is a great example. When I gave that testimony, I did not have time to cut and clip and make a video of it. I don't have anybody working for me. Right. Um, but a, a homeschool mom, just a friend that I had made in the hallway at a homeschool co-op I teach at, had taken it upon herself without me saying a word or even contacting her to clip the video, to, um, you know, put it up on YouTube. And eventually she put it up on Rumble. And she did that with a couple of them. And mine was one of them. And, and that's what partly allowed it to go viral. Someone just taking the initiative. I don't know how long it took, maybe 20 minutes, maybe an hour of her time. But the contribution to the cause was immeasurable because it was done just at the right time in the right way in the right place. But I'm, we didn't know that. I didn't know it was going to viral. She didn't know it was going to go viral. But um, we have to step forward and stop waiting for someone to tell us what to do and just figure it out, you know, just keep trying. And that's what I was doing. I didn't know it was going to viral. I'm just doing the same thing. I'm just plotting forward, just doing the same thing day after day after day, um, trying to move forward, most of it seeming to go nowhere. And then when I have a breakthrough, it's because God willing, that's part of his plan, I guess. Otherwise, I'll just keep plotting like everybody else. But if you're not plotting, if you're not doing something, no matter whether it seems to be working or not, then you're not helping. I agree. Well, you got your hand to the plow. We do the same thing. It's the mundane things in life we keep doing over and over and trusting God that he will He will bless the efforts that we put forward uh, for his glory, ultimately. And uh, Dr. Parks, let me let me throw this at you one, one time. And do you want to tell people if you have a website, you mentioned a Telegram page or something like that, do you want to toss that out uh, before we close out the show? Sure. I am on Facebook, but I don't post anything meaningful there. Uh, it's just so people can find me. My Telegram page is Dr. Dr. Period. Don't forget the period. Dr. Period Parks. So, I mean, I'm sorry, Dr. Christina Parks. Dr. Period Christina Parks. And so I have a ton of information. I have information pinned, a lot of resources like America's Frontline Doctors, different legal sites, um, talks that I've done and things like that are pinned. And then I post a lot of science, a lot of, I just try to keep it as a clearinghouse of relevant information of what's going on. And everything I post is not that I think every, agree with everything. I just want to be a clearinghouse for information that people are having trouble finding. Amen. Amen. And America's Frontline Doctors, I meant to mention uh, Dr. Lee Merritt. She's been on the show like four times. I love Dr. Merritt. I love to talk with her. Uh, She's just brilliant and a lot of information there as well. Hang on and I'll say goodbye to you after we close out. Guys, don't miss Bradley today, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. SonsofLibertyMedia.com. We'll be back with you in the morning, Lord willing, 6 a.m., ready to do it all over again. All right. See you.